0: So this is Vision Sunday, as Dave said and as Andy said, and it's a chance just for us to remind each other of who we are and why we do what we do. Um, So just thinking kind of about this, like our our mission statements that we... We commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. We commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. So it's a journey, and it's a trip, and it, and it got me thinking about kind of traveling, and I, and I love to travel. I love being the person that can say I've been there, and I know that's probably really annoying to some people, it's just a foible that I have, and it's I can't get rid of it. So I'm really sorry, but I do love that. And and I'm but but back when like in my 20s, somewhere in my early 20s, my buddy and like my buddy Russ and I, we were talking, and we were like, hey, you know, we can keep doing these little rinky-dink tri- trips. I grew up in Georgia, and we would like go to Panama City Beach, which is wonderful. We, some people call it the Redneck Riviera. For for good, and, I mean, I I fit in, so it was good. Um, but you know, so we we would go there, we would do things like that, and we were like, man, like. We could spend four and five hundred bucks and go do these trips that are fun, but but really don't have a lot of impact. Or we could spend a little bit more and actually do trips that give us memories for a lifetime. So we said, let's change our methodology, and we said, okay, wh- where can we go? We decided to go to Banff, Canada. You might been to Banff, like yes, woo woo, beautiful, like Canadian Rockies. is uh, so astounding. And we went up there, and 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 it was amazing. So right now, we're going to go to Banff together. Amazing race style. We're all going to go. We're going to meet there. And what's interesting to think about is that if we say we're all going to go to Banff, we, was, like, we could fly there. We could fly here, from here to Calgary and then drive over just a couple hours. We could, or some could drive from here to there. Some could drive to San Diego, get on a boat up to Vancouver, rent an RV, then go to a train station, then ride a train. But we would all get there. But um the if the goal is to get there, just get there, that's great. But we just did a lot of driving over our Christmas break and we have two kids, eight and six, and one of their favorite questions are, are we there yet? And like we were like, How do we deal with this? I was like, you know, we try so like, you know, I tried the, the great dad wisdom of like kids, you know it's not just it's not just getting there it's 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 enjoying the journey together which was you know they were like what and i'm sure it's going to stick and it'll make a lot of sense later but it, we can we can talk about how we actually handled it later but that's my point so <laughs> let's not move on but uh, but yeah like that that great dad wisdom is kind of the point for us too it's not just about getting there it's also about how we get there and that we get there together and and really this is why we do Vision Sunday. This journey God has called us to in Christ is that there's a way in which we are meant to pursue it. And it's, it's this journey of shared adventure and shared adversity. And we see this, these pictures all throughout Scripture in the New Testament of this, this life lived unto God is meant to be lived together. And just a couple of examples John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so again, there's this investment in this caring for one another. John 17, 20 through 23 says, I do not ask for these only. This is Jesus praying in the upper room with his disciples. These only is those uh, 11 that are with him in that moment. This is just before the betrayal. Um, And so it's the 11, but he says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And by the way, that's if you called on Christ, that's us in this room. It's all of us. So this is all of the church for then and what was to come. So I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Anybody want to take a stab at a couple of main themes that we see there? Just throw them out. Unity, right? Being one. And I'll give you the other one. Did you see, it's not just about us, but it's this. Our unity is one of the main ways that God will make known his redeeming and reconciling heart to the entire world. They will know we are his by our love for one another. And just reading over and over again through this prayer, this is a prayer that Jesus, Jesus, our head pastor, is praying for for the entire church, that we would be one, and through that the world would know that he is indeed the Messiah, that he, that God is good and his truth is real. He had compassion on us. So if you could go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 28 to give you a moment. Um, every January, we, we do a Vision Sunday um, in January and then kind of to kick off the fall, early September, Um, It's always kind of bothered me that it doesn't split up evenly throughout the year, but it works in life rhythms. Um, But every January, we always kind of let this passage, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which some may know as the Great Commission, this is Jesus' parting words to his disciples. So we saw in John 17, this prayer that carried through to the crucifixion. And then he, he rose from the grave. They were like, where did he go? And then all of a sudden he's with them. And then he walked with them. And then, and then this is when that period was done. And now he's giving his final instructions before he ascends back to return to the father. And so these are pretty important words. This is like, Hey, Don't forget this. This is what it's all about. So here we go. Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Jesus' parting instructions for us. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that is what we are about. And prayerfully, every church that is in Jesus would say they're about that too. And so again, we we don't want to be original in this case. Like we want this to be it. We want to say, hey, we stand in unity with all those who are in Christ and this is what we are setting our life for. So, Okay, Jesus, we, we hear you and we believe you and we think you mean this, so we're going to set our lives to- towards this. So the how is important. We think about Vision Sunday, and that's really what we focus on a lot. It's kind of like, well, th- this is what we're supposed to be about. This is the what. And we talk a lot about the how. We talk about kind of our, our, our core convictional values. We talk about which are, all kinda, which are also behavioral values of kind of like what we want to see our lives looking like. And those are important, again, because that, that is the expression of unity, like we, us doing the same things together. Um, but we have to not start there. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, like, you know, and this is a very popular, and I'm grateful, a very popular kind of uh, focal point of today's church of, like, we, we need to be a disciple-making church. And that's a distinctive, and, and but yet what I think we can do is kind of get distracted and kind of f- detach that from what, it, what this command is in, in, in the whole picture. Because the first step of being a disciple of Jesus is being redeemed, is being transformed, is being made new, is being reconciled to God as the one who was outside and a rebel and, 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 and against God and is now an adopted son and daughter, part of the family co-heirs with Christ, or the one who was dead in sin, who was totally helpless to revive themselves and to, make, to get out of the pit that they were in and has now been brought to life. What was it we just sang? Your breath? in my lungs, we pour out your praise, like the same created, creating power that God did at creation where he breathed his life into us in creation is the same life that was breathed to us in his salvation through Jesus Christ. We were, we were even worse off than not being created. We were dead in a helpless state, just, just dead in the water, unable to re- reach up for the rescuer. And Jesus came down and reached down and grabbed us and so it, this is the beginning. This is what it is to step in to being a disciple. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's not saying just go and make a bunch of drones that, that do the right things. He's like, go and take my redeeming, transformative, utterly life-changing promise of being the Messiah to the entire world. So we have to remember that. He says, go, do my redeeming work and teach others to do the same. So if we truly want to see Any kind of transformational work through our lives, through our community, through what we do, it must be empowered by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us on salvation, right, which inclines our wills and our lives unto God as well as empowers our efforts beyond our ability, that's, the re- that's wonderful. So we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, but also we have to be motivated by grace, and we only stay motivated by grace by remembering the great work of grace that brought us to salvation, the great work of grace that sustains us every day. So we're only motivated by grace when we remember the grace that we have experienced. If you don't know Megan Reedy, get some time with her and ask her to tell you why she, show, why she is so motivated to share the gospel. I'm so grateful she shared that with us a while back. And and it's that picture, because of the grace that I have tasted. So I told you about these these questions earlier. Um, So because we want to remember the grace that was shown to us, I want to take a moment to hear stories of grace. So if you would be willing to answer these three questions, in one, you know one or two minutes, don't so don't feel like you have to do say a whole lot. Present your whole life is focused on, really, how did you come to experiencing God's saving grace? Um, raise your hand for me, and uh, and we'll we'll let you share. Geo, all right, stand up here with me, Geo. <coughs> oh yes, he does. It's It's courage. Don't be afraid. Yes, that's good. Thanks for clapping for Geo. So Geo. Why, uh, what, what was your life like before Christ? What was important to you? What was your sense of purpose? <clears throat> here, so let's come I'm here so gonna, everyone can. going. I answer I'll, I'll guide you there. Yes, okay. you are. Here you go. You can hold it. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, whew. When you put those questions on there, um, I am very passionate about sharing how God has changed my life. And so as soon as those questions were up there, I got very emotional. Um, And when I think about like how, where I was before, um, so I'm just gonna answer the questions, because I'm, okay, so what was your life like before Christ? So before Christ, to be 100% transparent, I was like addicted to pretty much everything that felt good, and that drove every single thought and drove my mind and every single action that I made. And so I was very promiscuous, I was blackout drunk every weekend. Um, I was doing like cocaine and like pretty much anything that felt good to satisfy me apart from like being a leader and being popular on campus and doing good in school as well as that. So I was just trying to fulfill my life with everything that this world says is like what men are supposed to like fulfill their life with.
0: Um, So what brought you to the place of maybe recognizing the emptiness of that and that you needed a Savior and that Jesus
1: is your Savior? So it was uh, uh, the repetitive cycle of doing this every day, week by week. And no matter how much I did these things, like, it never was enough. I just needed more and I needed more, and it was a very destructive behavior, destructive to my friends, destructive to my loved ones, um, to my like life. Um, and so when I realized that I can't be my own savior, and I, I can't lead my life the way that I f- I thought was best, because I legitimately thought that what I was doing was like, that's what's best for me. Like, I can, I'm doing more good than bad, because I wanted to be a doctor, so like, I would have been like, healing people. Like, I can do everything else. Um, then when I realized that I couldn't do it by myself. Um, yeah, when like, I needed to look somewhere else, and then seeing God put people around me that loved Jesus and exemplified Jesus in their everyday life, whether that was vocal or whether someone just had a relate, like my best friend had a relationship with Jesus. He probably talked to me about Jesus once or twice through like three years. But the love he had for me and the people around him and how he lived his life was like one of the biggest ways that I saw Christ in anyone. Um, So that. Can I answer your question, too? Good.
0: And then just one thing that you see, just to see that God's work in us continues beyond salvation, uh, what is God teaching you today? Just one thing.
1: Uh, What is God teaching me today? Um, God is teaching me that, like, I don't have to. When I don't have to work for God to love me and for, for me to be saved. And so not saying that, like, I don't do good things, but, like, I, I'm, I'm used to being in this mindset where I have to work for my salvation. And God's only happy with me when I do good things, not like he just doesn't love me all the time because that's who he is. So he's teaching me how to believe that more and more. Thank you, Gio.
0: Thank you. Um, I, yeah. I and mean, one of the things I love about Gio from the first moment, first time we got coffee at Blacksmith was if you want to see a someone who has grasped this promise that Paul said in Romans 8, 1, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, I was just so refreshed and encouraged to hear Gio talk about um, his life before Christ, his his struggles after christ and yet and and there are things that uh, you know many would shy away from but yet seeing that he is covered by the blood of christ and his grace he shared it freely as part of the journey that brought him to that place of understanding his deeds so i was just so encouraged um i i I gave this prompt to our kind of leadership team that was gathered here this morning and asked them to chew on it and if any of them would be willing to share and and i would actually love for for marisa to come share her testimony um Just just to hear hear more than one perspective of how this happens. So, this is Marisa. Hi, hi Marisa. All right. So, same questions.
2: I thought I was off the hook when Gio came up, but apparently not. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Okay, so my life before Christ, I would say the primary thing that I was motivated by and driven by was seeking the approval of people. Um, And so my value was found in what others thought of me. If I was like cool and popular in school um, in order to get the approval of people, um, that meant that I was driven towards things that weren't honoring to God or even really honoring to myself, like drinking and um, just doing things that would make me um, accepted by people um, instead of really what is honoring to God. And sometimes you gain approval of people and sometimes you don't. And I think for me, um, I just, I guess moving into the second question, um, that I found that that was empty. That even if I had people's approval, that that wasn't what was gonna bring ultimate satisfaction for me. Um, And also just kind of feeling conviction and guilt for some of the things that I was doing that I knew weren't um, good for me or, Um, honoring to God because I grew up in church and so I knew who God was and kind of what he had called me to but I hadn't chosen to really follow him Um, that I was just seeking after kind of things of the world and so um, just kind of came to a point of understanding that um, God isn't just kind of like this higher being that sits way up here far away from us that he is a God that is personal that desires a relationship with us and that he loves us super deeply, and that we are fully known, fully loved, and fully approved of by God. Um, so if that is true of my life, um, and if he is the creator of the universe um, that drives all things, then why do I need people's approval if I already have the approval of God, who is the one that matters most? Um, and just being like in awe, too, that God actually cares about me individually and wants a relationship with me individually. Um, and so chose to pursue like a personal relationship with Christ, um, when I was about 16. Um, yeah. And then I guess what God is teaching me today. Um, I feel like a lot of things, but one, um, scripture that I've been reading through kind of continually is Psalm 103. Um, and particularly this verse that says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I feel like that's just been a good reminder for me of I am, even though I know God, I'm still definitely sinful and um, the people around me are still definitely sinful and so I wrong other people and they wrong me and I um, do things that aren't honoring to God but the way that God sees me and deals with me is that he is merciful and kind and gracious towards me and he's slow to anger and quick to forgive and so just choosing to, receive that, um, and remember that and also extend that to others. Um, I feel like is something that I've been learning a lot lately.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Marisa. Thank you. But man, such great time to hear, uh, stories of God's grace. And, um, and we want to, Remember your own story, if you are in Christ. Like remember that. Like refresh that every day. Like Lord, remind me of the. You remind me of the joy of the day of my salvation, just as David prayed in Psalms, and 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 just let that. Like because you've tasted that to motivate you, and really like all that we do, we want to Like we say for the glory of God, and we say and we say because Jesus is Lord. Like this is when we say those things, we're saying remember that He had the authority to do this in your life he had the he had the heart to do this in you and to do this around you and it's not just some kind of like far off language thing like that's what we mean to say that Jesus is lord he has come and taken over your life and he's he's redeemed you and he rules and reigns in grace over you so we want to stay connected to the work of grace. We want to remember your own, share it with others, like share your stories. Like, again, remember, if you, if you haven't been like, if you haven't learned anything else, if like you're that new to the faith in Christ, that, that is still the foundational thing you have to share and will always need to be a part of no matter how many words you know. No matter how many times you've been to church, if you if you have your story of God's working of grace in Christ in your life, that that's always the power that you have to share, and that as God works through you. So I just want to encourage you in that. So thank you all for sharing. Thank you for always being ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. So we want to see this kind of freedom around us. We want to see this kind of freedom advancing like from where we are. We want to see the kingdom of God revealed, the reality of a good king leading us who cares for his people. If we want to be... So that's where like, we want to... So when we say we want to be a disciple-making church, we're saying we want to see more stories of God's grace that saves and continues to transform. If we want to see that... I want to take, like, this is what we have to remember and set our lives for. So I want to take a couple of minutes. that so Jesus says, go and make disciples. I want to take a couple of minutes to just kind of very conversationally define this and kind of give us some pictures of what it is. So the definition of the disciples is really in the invitation that we see of Jesus to his first disciples in Matthew 4.19. And he says this, he says, And he said to them, that's Jesus talking to these fishermen, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So when we say the definition is in the invitation, we see that what we're saying here is he's saying, follow me, and I follow me with your head. This is this first thing, believe me as the Messiah, believe me as your Lord. And so first it's just this moment of belief and acceptance and surrender. And then it's also this, this double meaning that Jesus now becomes the head of your life. As Jesus came into this world for a purpose that he came in, now becomes your purpose, now becomes your direction. So we follow Jesus with our head, acknowledging him to be who he claimed to be, to accomplish the work he said he accomplished, and now he leads our life. So we follow, follow me is follow with our heads, and then it's. I will make you, as we continue to follow him, walking in obedience, surrendering daily, he transforms us from the inside out. He makes us new every day. He's renewing us and restoring us and transforming us. He accepts us as we are, but he never leaves us as we are. So following Jesus is a transformation of our head, of our understanding. It's a transformation of our heart as he changes us from the inside out. And praise God, because if it wasn't, it would be about what we do. It would be about that our standing before him is about our morality about our accomplishment, but he says, no, your standing before me is because of Jesus, and now I'm changing you because I've made you new, and now I'm changing you to actually, to where it's more and more natural to live out this life, and that results in what he says, fish I will make you, Fishers of men. And Jesus is using metaphor here to connect with the guys he's talking to. But the picture was clear. He says, your job, instead of being fishers of fish, will be fishers of men. And what did Jesus come for? He came to seek and save the lost, to redeem his people. And so he's saying, you will take on my mission. So following Jesus with our head, acknowledging him as Lord and Savior, as the Messiah, following with our heart, being transformed by the, by the the from the inside out and following him as we take on his mission, as he makes us about what he is about. So the definition is in the calling. That is what it is to be a disciple, and it results in a life. This is what we should all aspire to, is that a disciple of Jesus looks at the world around them and says, Follow me as I follow Christ. And that comes from Paul's. Uh, this is from the NIV just because it, it it relates it uses the word follow. Uh, in the ESV it says imitate which is the same thing but 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Like that should be our aim and it's not just to each other in the church. Like as we look around the world around us who is seeking or in disbelief or, or whatever to say, follow, to invite them to follow me as I follow Christ. That is our mission statement. We commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. It is that it is not my job to transform anybody, to make anyone change. It's my job to pursue Jesus, invite people into my life, and step into theirs. And as they walk, as we walk together, they will encounter the transforming work of Jesus Christ. He will transform. And that's where we get to truly walk in humble grace, as opposed to this weird thing where we're saying, God is gracious, but you need to change this before you're accepted. That is the beauty of God's grace. So that is where we say to all, all around us, in our, in our home. In, in our church, and in our world. Follow me as I follow Jesus. We're made the family of God and the priesthood of believers. As the church, First Peter two nine says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And to give you some quick context, quickly about the priesthood, to say the priesthood of believers. This is the Jewish people. They had the sacrificial system, and the Levites were one of the twelve tribes of Israel. They were the tribe of priests, and their job was to present the people of Israel holy and blameless before God, and they did that through making sacrifices on behalf of the people. And they also implored the people to stay in, to stay kind of in the bounds of what was good. And they would teach them how to live a life that was pleasing to God. And they went before God on their behalf. So you think about that. And now we say, you are the priesthood of believers. What does that mean? It means that, that now because of the work of Jesus, Jesus now becoming our high priest over all of us and now taking us up into this work of grace and his purpose to redeem, now... We don't need the sacrificial system because Jesus was sacrificed, and now we get to to advocate for one another. We get to shepherd one another into truth and grace and forgiveness and restoration. That's this picture we see. So we see that a disciple looks around them and says, follow me as I follow Christ. And then we see a disciple of Jesus sees themselves as radically responsible for making disciples wherever they are. Home, church, and world. Do you look around you and say, I am responsible. I have been given the mission of Jesus, and I am taking it up. That is part of my being transformed. It is not just for me to be faithful myself and, do the, and make sure that I don't sin against God myself, but it is making sure that I take up the purpose of Jesus and that I am responsible for your home, for your church, and for the world. Do you look around and see that way? So to summarize this kind of this idea, a disciple follows Jesus with their head, heart, and hands, taking responsibility of those in their home, church, and world. That is what our opportunity is. Hmm, that's, that's a lot and a little. So if if you're in, if you like the sound of saying we are a disciple-making church, it's not by us having good disciple making programs and events. Hopefully we do that. Like hopefully that's, if we do anything, we're doing it in a way that would be effective. But foundationally, it's through each of us, each of us who are in Christ committing to this, saying "This this is no one else's responsibility but mine. Like looking at it that way and saying it's through each of us committing to make disciples, following Jesus, being transformed in our head, hearts, and mind, and looking at the world as we are responsible in our home, church, and world. We make disciples one by one, each of us, one relationship at a time. And we have to see that it is not just conversion. It is, as we see in the Great Commission, that it is also baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is a call to mission and teaching them all to obey that I have commanded you. So again, it's it's the reaching and it's the building up and it's the unleashing Right, it's the sending, and that is the full picture. And so we do this one by one. And what we're saying is, we want to invite you into is to take the opportunity to step into that process yourself, wherever you are, and be a part of that, and step into growing and understanding how to to walk alongside others, growing them to maturity, bringing them to faith in Christ. This is how we will see God's transformational movement go from just kind of this, 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 like. Small thing to something that's way beyond us, if you want the vi- like the, the impact and the work of our community to go beyond our lifetime, our vision, our imagination has to go beyond our abilities. it's got to go beyond just what we can contain. and this is how it happens is that if it's, not, if it's not just up to a couple little things but that we are all saying in God's grace, we will step into making disciples. And being one, of course, you have to be one. Um, And so I want to take a moment to let you hear another testimony of of someone that's committed their lives to this purpose. So I want to invite Diana up here, Diana Segura. Uh, Yes, thank you, Diana. Um, Diana is married to Rudy. Rudy is on a business trip in Atlanta. So if you could just kind of introduce you guys on behalf of you and Rudy real quick.
3: I'm Diana. I'm married to Rudy. Uh, we've been together for about seven and a half years, married three with a baby on the way. This is in a burrito. Um, <laughs> we uh, decided to move to Houston um, at the beginning of last year. Um, and so it was important for us to find a church first. So we actually came to the bridge first um, before we decided where we wanted to
0: live. Awesome. <laughs> and, and so uh, and you've been at the bridge how long?
3: So, summer of 2018.
0: So, coming up, that's great. Yeah. So, almost a year. Almost. Well, we'll say almost. That's almost. That's Close very enough. generously <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, so, so, you guys are involved in a ministry called Apartment Life. Right. Could you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, so Apartment Life is a business with a missional um, plan. So, you commit to living two years in an apartment complex where you're actually serving. So, I like to think of it as a um, we're urban missionaries. And so we throw events and um, we do three a month and um, just engage with the people, our residents, which is um, harder than you think in Houston where everybody's just busy, busy, go, 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 work, work, work. So it's been really fun to get to know different people that come from all over to work um, because obviously God has a purpose for their life. So
0: yeah. So two, two follow-up questions to that. Yeah. Is this y'all's only job? No. <laughs> so, so, what else do y'all do?
3: So, I'm a nurse. I work for a um, epilepsy doctor in at Methodist, the only outpatient epilepsy doctor um, at Houston Methodist. And then Rudy, he is a mechanical um, engineer.
0: So, you guys have full-time jobs and yeah. this okay. And then other follow-up is, and we didn't talk about this, so this doesn't catch you off guard. But like, how do you go about in apartment life, looking at your community, and, and like identify ways? To connect, like the things you're wanting to do, how how do you know what to do?
3: Um, Well, definitely the first thing, we always pray about it. Rudy and I, it's a part of, you know, when we pray for, you know, our personal things and things to come. We also pray that God would open our eyes and that we're sensitive to his voice Um, because it's about being intentional in the little moments. Like I would say the people that are very important to us currently is our management team because there's a lot of anxiety and depression. they are young kids that are working. And um, so that's so important to us that we're able to sow into their lives in a way that is meaningful. Um, so w- yeah, you definitely need God for that because he's the one that places those opportunities. Um, you yeah. just have to take advantage of it.
0: Can, can you share the story y'all shared in your most recent ministry update, like h- how y'all identified the opportunity to help with the mail and then the yeah. outcome with that office worker?
3: Yeah. So after, um, Black Friday sales and all of that, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows you order a lot of things from Amazon. So our, um, they were getting overwhelmed with the amount of packages, and um, so I just thought, hey, we could help, because we have a like a locker system that you can put packages in. And so I texted them, and I said, hey, send me your Starbucks order. And so me and Rudy went on a Saturday. <laughs> we brought them drinks, and we just learned how to put all the packages um, in those lockers for them. So they were just thankful and grateful, because obviously it was like a small part of their job, but at the same time, we were able to help. And... That day we ended up staying talking with one of our um, leasing agents and he kind of just opened up to us about a lot of hurts from the church. I mean, just by himself. It wasn't that we asked like, oh, what do you know about God? You know, it wasn't weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he just opened up to us and told us about his childhood and how, um, you know, he had passed hurts from the church. And so now it's something that we pray about. And actually, I was he was texting me this morning. He was having an anxiety attack. and wanted to go to the ER. <laughs> and he was like, I know you told me to text you. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no. And so I just sent him a Bible verse and things like that. So it's like little Little things that if you listen to God's um, word, you know, speaking to you, then it's kind of easy to step into those moments.
0: Um, and then I've noticed in your updates as well that um, kind of connecting people you're ministering to kind of to the local church, which happens to be us, which is really cool, yeah. um, is it, an important part of your ministry. Like, why, why do y'all see that as something that's important?
3: Um, I think the church is important to our ministry because obviously when we're able to bring people to church, I think God can complete the work in them. So in the areas that we can't, we don't know how to fill those um, areas, they can come to church and listen to a good word or meet somebody who they um, connect with maybe better than they can connect with us, So, mm. um, which is how we were drawn here. The strong sense of community is really important. So.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Don. What a yeah. cool picture of the body. Right. Stay here. Amber, will you come up here and just join us so we can pray for Rudy and Diana real quick? Lots of prayer today, lots of beautiful pictures. So God, uh, we are so grateful for your grace and Lord, how uh, you've worked uh, in Rudy and Diana's life to, to just orchestrate their steps and lead them to a place of um, having gifts to work in the world but also seeing opportunities to uh, again pursue the work of the gospel re- revealing the promise of, of of your kingdom Lord to the world around them and for how they're partnering with Apartment Life and we just pray for their continued work of building relationships we pray for favor, we pray that as people would see their lives that they would be curious that they would want to know what they're about that they would um, just, just like this office worker just bring up conversations that would allow uh, Rudy and Diana just to To walk alongside uh, sharing your truth and ultimately proclaiming the gospel. Lord, again, our, our hope of salvation in Jesus. Lord, just keep them encouraged. Let us be an encouragement to them. I thank you for how you created the body of Christ, that where one is weak, another is strong, and that together in our beautiful diversity, we get to express the, f- the full heart and work of, and grace of Jesus. So we love you. We surrender. Uh, keep Rudy safe in Atlanta. Bring him home safe uh, to Diana and the rest of us and pray for a little burrito on the way. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> thank thank you. you, Diana. Yeah. So to close, um, I want to just close with kind of a a challenge, a a goal for 2019, which like just thinking from here until this time in 2020, I want to put this, this kind of heart in this picture in front of you of this idea of every street reached. Um, Do you have that, Neil, every street reached, but just the idea of every street reached. And if you think about like where you live, each person sitting here lives in something. You have a spot that you take up, whether it's an apartment, whether it's a home, whether you have a bunch of roommates, or it's just you, or you're married with kids, whatever. You have a place that you take up, and and you live on some kind of street. And and just think about this. If you were to step out and look to your left and right from stop sign to stop sign, or if you're in an apartment complex, like that floor... Like for this year, if we could see our prayer to be every street reach, meaning that by by this time in 2020, that every single person, every home represented would have some kind of intentional relational connection with you. Set out to do that. Like this, this prayer. I'm gonna, I want us to pray for that and to set our lives towards this, understanding what we've been called to, what we've experienced. That it would be our prayer, Lord. We want to see every street reached. And if you look out on our board, we see we see um, five transformation groups out there we would love to see every person in transformation group eventually have a, a, a transformation group on their street because they are reaching their neighbors and there's a necessity to have a community of faith gathering there, one, to encourage, but also to reach. And so we want to set our lives for that. I want to challenge and encourage you to say, Lord, help me know how to do this. And I know that when you hear that, some of you, that's terrifying. Because you're like, ah, it's enough for me to like maintain the relationships I have. Or maybe you're really introverted like some people I know. And Like, the thought of, like, stepping into people's lives you don't know is just the weirdest and most alien thing you could think of. Unlike me, like, I would be happy, like, going and knocking on doors and saying, man, I really liked your flamingo you had in your yard. What's your name? Like, I would – that doesn't bother me at all. Like, that's fine with me. Like, I – Anyway, I had another three jokes go through my head, and I stopped those two. Um, but but like that we would see that we have an opportunity and if we think about what it is to be a disciple is saying I am radically responsible for those around me in my home, church, and world. I mean, what closer world do you have than your street? And what what more immediate opportunity? Like what is one of our greatest challenges we face in Houston is time. And so, like, you're already there. Like, you're already there. And so, just be prayerful and say, Lord, how can I do this? And if you want some ideas, I mean, like, our transformation groups are key. Like, we want those places to not only be a place of care, but a place of extending the hope of the gospel in Jesus. We want them to be a safe place to invite people in and discover and to be cared for and to, again, be encounter the grace of God in Christ. And for some, it may be knocking on doors. Like, again, let it be your thing and let it be their thing. Like, what's right? And, like, do it in a way, again, that's not. Not weird and scary, but like, you know, maybe it's knocking on doors. Um, But just like we heard with Diane and Rudy, maybe it's see a need, meet a need, right? Maybe And maybe it's see a need, meet a need. Um, Take advantages of opportunities when you're out and about. You know, again, maybe be the blind bender who waits for their neighbor to go check the mail and then go check your mail at the same time. I might have done that. You know, walk a dog, walk a kid, do whatever you got to do, be outside. And, like, when you see someone say something, like, say hello. And, again, I know, like, for some people this is easier, and for some it's not. And so we want to pr- present all this with a lot of grace. But if you also heard from Diane and Rudy's story, it does take sacrifice. It does take stepping outside of what's comfortable, stepping outside of what is natural, stepping outside of what you would prefer. Like, I mean, like, we love our family. Like, and I, I am the most extroverted person you'll meet, but I also, like, because I love just our the four of us and what we are, it's hard for me to, like, want to disrupt that. Like I love it. Like I we, we just have so much fun together and so it's it's difficult even as an extrovert just because of other things. And so again with a lot of grace, but also let's ask the questions and how can we be challenged and how can we be obedient? Maybe join a civic association, um, maybe join in community efforts. If you hear of something happening to clean up a park, go. I mean like that's easy, that's already done. Someone else is organizing it, you can jump in. Um, I mean, throw a block party, do a movie night, we could just have all sorts of ideas. Like at the end of the day it's like What is something natural or or some way that you have that you can make a connection and invite people into it? Um, Also, specifically um, in April, we are going to do a go here training um, with a with an organization that we partner with called East West. They do they do missions all around the world focusing on unreached and unreached and unreachable and unaccessed uh, people groups that have never heard the gospel. Um, but they also have a, a, a passion for the local church, and they want to equip us to to think about the, she said, uh, Diana said, we, they see themselves as urban. I keep pointing to where she was. I'm sorry. Um but they, you know, they think of themselves as urban missionaries, and this is a training to teach you how to do that. Because a lot of it is just kind of, uh, how do I know what I could do? And this is really a resource to help you do that. So um, be, be listening for that in April. Uh, go here training. So there's are some opportunities to think about how do we actually step into seeing every street reached, and if we may, and, and you know, let's be intentional to make connections. Let's live out like again. Journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. So make that connection. And as the Lord leads, invite him into your life. And as you follow Jesus, we'll, we'll let the Lord do what he does. Let's just be uh, faithful and available to do our part. Um, a couple of other opportunities. You know, you already heard it said. Uh, tonight, um, we, we're kicking off our, our group season with our, our prayer night that we do once a month. You don't have to be in groups to come. Please come. Um, also, like... You know, seeing in Acts 2.42 that says they committed themselves to the uh, apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and the fellowship and of prayer. And so we are truly trying to commit our lives to these postures of the way of the people of God. And so we really want to prioritize in our, our Sunday night prayer nights, are focused on kind of gospel need and mission. Um, we kind of leave praying for our internal needs as we gather in groups and as you share life together. So this is really about kind of kingdom mission. Um, you saw earlier the covenant partnership uh, Class. Typically, at our at what we've done up to this point on our vision Sundays is we present kind of like all of our core values and our mission statement and like our history. Um, th- that's a lot of what will happen there. That's going to be on February the sixteenth. Um, so we would love for you to come. Uh, and then, like I said, transformation groups. Um, please join in with those. They are. You know, we our conviction is that gospel mission is both in the in the um, maturing and ministry of of the work of God in Christ is both expressed and experienced best through community. Um, and we, we really kind of facilitate a lot of that through our groups. And so please engage. Don't, don't think it's awkward. Just jump in. It might be awkward. Um, and, and prayerfully, the Lord will work through all of that and to continue to transform us and lead us to the life of hope and peace and uh, for his glory. So those are some great opportunities. that That is kind of like the nutshell of who we are and what we do. And let it be our prayer to see true. Like, pray every day, like, Lord, how, how do I have an opportunity with these people from here to here? But, you know, again, the whole world needs the love of God. They need redeeming in Christ. But that's that's crazy to think about, like, how do we get to do that? So you can, you can manage thinking about from your stop sign to stop sign or your door to door. So let's pray for that. Let's encourage each other in that. And I guess one last closing thought. I know I need to close. Um, you know, a, a lot of this is like, how do I do that? How, how can I do that? And let me just tell you, that is the essence of growing as a disciple of Christ. If you want to truly, like, grow, you need to have, you need to be in the game, because that's really kind of what feeds our growth, is as you are stepping in to do the best you can to what you know is good, and you do it, un, you don't do it well, you actually get to go to those who you're walking alongside and say, like, man, I'm, I'm really trying to, like, connect with my neighbors, and I don't know how, or, man, I'm, I don't understand how God is, is, good or in and how he wants me to do this and yet I see like all the questions that come when we are in the game this is what discipleship is and then you bring that to the people you're walking with whether it's in your small group or in a more intimate like one-on-one one-on-two that is the picture of discipleship is like you learn you are people along the way coming back to the great commission he says go and really the, the tense of that word is as you go as you are going, it's a constant state. You are being made, more like Jesus, being a disciple. So with that, I'm going to close, and, uh, and then we'll move into a time of communion. Sorry for going a little long, but thank you for hanging with me. Um, God, you are good. We love you. Lord, we pray that as we, as we do all that we do, Lord, that we would never cease to marvel at your work of grace, your work of love, and your only son, Jesus. Lord, remind us of the joy of our salvation every day. Let us let us not only be encouraged by our journey and story, but by those around us. Lord, give us a, a heart to, to invite each other in and to share these things. Lord, give us a, a compassion that moves us to action. Lord, where we see that just as um, it, we needed intervening, um, by, by first the, you, but then how you work through people, Lord, the world around us does. So I pray that we would live a life that can say, follow me as I follow Jesus, as, as sincerely and imperfectly as I do, and then a life that is, that is radically responsible for those in my home, church, and world. And Lord, we see that it's all for your glory. It's all, all, through, all by the Holy Spirit, rooted in your truth in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, continue just to lead us now. Give us a heart and a vision for every street reach this year. Let us be able to look back a year from now and see just all the amazing ways that you, as, as Diana said, that we, we have to pray to start. Like Lord, Lord, change our hearts, change our eyes, change our ears so that we, so that we care about, see, and hear what you do. Uh, so, Lord, let, let us now continue to worship in this time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.